0: This episode of Let's Talk Mate is brought to you by Novatech. Thank you to Novatech for sponsoring the show and helping to support men's mental health. Hello, 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 everybody. and Welcome to Let's Talk Mate, Solar Mind's men's mental health podcast. Um, And just before, as I hear the bus pull away outside my door, it feels like a good time to to say that this is a heatwave edition of the podcast. So the audio may not be perfect all the way through because we are encouraging everyone to keep their fans on, keep their doors open, keep their windows open. Um, It is up to 36 degrees, I believe. So we're gonna look after ourselves and prioritize drinking water and getting the air in and all that. So if the audio does fall a little bit because of that, then please do excuse us. I'm sure you can sympathise, but let's just talk about what this episode is going to be about. It's going to be going to talk a little bit about masculinity and the, how that affects mental health. Um, so if any of these situations, anything we talk about affects you, please make sure you do call our support line. Um, so that number will be on um, below in the description as well as the harbour if you're in Portsmouth, uh, Fairham, Gosport, Have't or East Hampshire or The Lighthouse if you are in Southampton. So all of that will be below in the description. So if anything does affect you over the course of this podcast, please make sure you check that out, reach out to us, and we'll be there to help you. Um, so without further ado, my name is Sam. I'm the Digital Content Officer for so Mind, And I'd just like to introduce you to our guests. Let's go ahead and start with Phil. Let's go with you.
1: Hi, I'm Phil. I'm a Wellbeing Advisor at Positive Minds in Portsmouth.
0: Thank you very much, Phil. And obviously, Phil coming back from the last podcast, our Pride Month episode. Um, Loysen, do you want to go next?
2: Afternoon, everyone. My name's Loysen. I'm part of the peer support and navigation team in Southampton. Yep.
0: Thank you very much, Loysen. Leuson. Loysen's obviously appeared on a few of our episodes, including relationships, anger management, and our veterans position as well. Um, and Rob, finally, please do introduce yourself.
3: Hi, I'm Rob. I'm a, uh, the Peer Recovery Service Manager I can
0: yep. Thank you very much Rob and of course Rob, regular uh, pre host and regular guest on the show. So we'll just dive straight into it. So we're talking about obviously like our kind of whole thing is talking about men's mental health so masculinity has come up a number of times throughout um, the, these discussions but I think we'll just take deep dive a little bit more into how that actually affects mental health, how that might present differently um, depending on someone's uh, symptoms and whatever else. I think starting with something that I've always thought about something that I've always somewhat experienced is the idea of anxiety and how that affects your kind of your masculinity in a way and how it might affect some people's masculinity. You know the f- example I always think of is sometimes when I go to a restaurant and I don't like always going up to order at the front like when it's that kind of system so quite often I'll ask my my girlfriend to do it and well, I'm quite comfortable with that. I can imagine that the thought of that being quite emasculating to some people. So I wonder who wants to start on that and kind of your thoughts on how anxiety and masculinity kind of wraps together.
2: I think for myself, I think it it, it, it all depends on your definition of masculinity or where your, you know, the gold standard in masculinity is for you. And for most men, we've got that Hollywood, you know, um, Arnold Schwarzenegger, big muscles, overconfidence, the alpha male type thing. And that's where people, you know, when you think about masculinity, that's what people think of. And I think, oh, not only is it really biased, but it's down to your own personal experience and how you grow up. Um, I think there's a lot that comes into masculinity because, you know, if in terms of like the alpha, the alpha male um, type thing, if you take the alpha male out of his environment and put him into an environment that he's not used to, he's not going to be the alpha male in that environment. So he can get anxiety because he's out of his comfort zone. And like you said, time, a lot of people can be emasculated by things like that. And that does create anxiety. So I think everybody no matter how masculine they think they are, can be affected by anxiety at any point. Yeah, I guess what anyone else's thoughts are on
3: that? Yeah. In my mind, I can always go back to my head uh, for a couple of examples from previous jobs where I was the only man on, on the team and we were working with somewhat uh, quite often challenging uh, clients, uh, working in a, a very stressful and difficult environment. And I was still very new at the time; I was still within my first few months. I'd been very open with the with my manager there that I suffered with anxiety and that I was actually coming off the back of quite a you know, quite a bad episode uh, with my mental, uh, with my mental health just before taking that job, and I always remember being kind of told to kind of being told to kind of man up and be more decisive and not you know, and just kind of plow on and not stop and ask for reassurance with uh, certain practices. But you know, where I wasn't maybe as sure because you know I was still just kind of starting in that job. And so I think sometimes even if you want to kind of get away from those kind of very kind of narrow, kind of, you know, and again for lack of better lack of better term, very kind of old fashioned views of you know what masculinity is, you know, sometimes then you'll find other people enforcing it back on you, which is really frustrating. And yeah, and it can be, and it, it and it can leave you with that kind of yeah, for I guess as you say that kind of feeling of emasculation for. You know, for lack of a better term.
1: That phrase "man up" is just <laughs> a lot to I answer mean, so for. it's literally the worst. I mean, what does it even mean? What does it even mean? You know, what 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 is it? There's no parameters. There's no definition. It's just a general get out clause for telling someone to stop showing their emotions. Basically, it's a horrific phrase.
0: Yeah, I, I, I can't. It, I think it's something, and I, and I think that has a lot to answer for, a lot of my mental health difficulties growing up. In terms of, yeah, you, know, you don't, you don't like. I, I, I generally think that like, it's had such a long effect on me. Where even now, where I'm not manning up anymore, or whatever you want to say, or like. Although to be fair, in a lot of ways, I'd say I'm doing that more so than ever because I'm try, I'm showing the weakness and showing the strength from being vulnerable. But that kind of idea. Was what kind of made me really like? What well, I, well, how I always describe it, it's put a cork in my emotions. Mm. Like they were still there. I wasn't stopping them from doing anything. I was stopping them from going anywhere. And that's the best way of it. And and it, and even now I'm still suffering the effects of how that has affected me in terms of how I deal with stuff. Because I still I'm still now to the point where I'll go months and months and months without showing a shred of emotion because I'm in that mindset of okay this I'm back when in my teenage years I wasn't showing emotion and then just the tiniest little thing just like hit me over the edge and for the next week I won't stop crying or I won't stop being whatever that might however that expressive emotion it might be it might be crying or it might be as we'll talk about later it might be the more like it might be being a bit more irritable or being a bit more angry about stuff or over-drinking, over drinking you know all this kind of stuff which has become again a more the, the way you men deal with it often tends to stem in a less you know that those kind of ways rather than letting your emotions out it becomes aggression irritability over drinking and that's I think that again, then it does, almost doesn't get recognized for all it is and it doesn't get recognized for this is anxiety, this is depression. It gets recognized as, oh, it's just a man being aggressive, it's just a man doing this, doing that. I think that almost becomes hard for then people to recognize it in themselves when they when it's not the traditional you know being sad, being
1: upset, that you let you hear about symptoms for depression. When, when I when we we looked when you sent the email through today and said about the questions you want to ask, I just had a bit of a good play around on the internet, just having a look at a few bits and pieces, and the phrase that came out that just made me think, oh yeah, is women get sad and men get mad? Hmm. And I thought actually, although it's very generalistic, it, there's a lot of truth based in that. Whereas men do bottle things up more, and it does tend to come out in aggression. It does tend to come out in inappropriate behaviour because they've got no other outlet. There's no they've never been taught how to express themselves properly. And it takes a long time to get over that that inbuilt doctrines that we have.
0: Yeah. And I think it's it's interesting because I was actually talking to my manager earlier about this and she was describing how men are very good at asking questions about other things going on in their friends' lives other than just how they are. So they'll ask like, oh, how, like the example she gave is when she goes to, when she used to work for, car dealership or whatever and so you worked in car shows and people are, like oh how's that car you know how's that how's your car coming along how's that project coming along or mm-hmm. how's the family how's the how's the kids how's the wife in a very heteronormative uh, setting um but never just how, how are you doing and i think that that was a very interesting thing that really like triggered my brain like yeah actually because if you think about it you you bond through this common experience is a common hobby so that's all you need to ask about versus just bonding through general chit chat if that makes sense and i think it's quite an interesting point that my um, manager made and i wanted to bring that into the conversation uh, now and just like is that something because i i don't necessarily have that because a lot of my i've got majority female friends so i don't have that as much because i i experienced that side, but i'm curious when people have groups of, of bigger groups of male friends, as you've also come from the, the armed, serves,
2: uh, armed forces as well. Like, is that something you would agree with? I think so. I think, you know, now, after my own experience with mental health and PTSD and all that sort of stuff, I've got used to asking my friends how they are doing or how they are coping. Yeah. Because normally when we go, oh, how are you doing? But yeah, I'm okay. Yeah, How's work? How's it? That's it. But if I know that one of my friends is experiencing something, it's straight up, how are you coping? You know, are you okay? Should we have a chat? And trying to make time to do that. But it's it's easy to do that with somebody who's had their own awakening through their own experiences. Whereas if I speak to a friend who might not necessarily have struggled with their mental health or had any, you know, Problems coping with stuff. If you ask them how they're doing or how they're coping, they'll just go, and fine." But if I speak to a veteran who's been diagnosed with PTSD or things they may have, or you know, is struggling with something, and they've spoken to other, you know, other veterans who've reached out and got help, if you ask them how they're coping or how they're doing, they'll actually open up. And they'll tell you, you know what, I'm really stressed. Work is tough. You know, this is going on or that's going on. I don't know what I'm going to do. And then you can engage with them. So, again, I think it's our own personal experience makes us either more relatable to people or more easier for them to open up. And a lot of men that I speak to, particularly veterans, when they're struggling and they reach out, the biggest thing that they say is, I don't know who to talk to, or I don't know how to ask for help. Mm. And again, that's because all they've ever been told to do is man up, but nobody's ever told them how to man up or what manning up means. So they don't know where to go. And that causes a lot of issues for men because we, we don't know where to go or who to ask. We're again, forced to keep everything in until, as you said, Phil, we go mad. And that's, it's, it's everything, you know, do a lot of men understand what anxiety is? I personally don't think they, don't think a lot of people do because it's not a discussion that they will have had with anyone. You know, it's the same as panic attacks. If you've never had a panic attack and somebody tells you, oh, this person had a panic attack, your first answer as a man is they're just weak. They need to man up, you know, why can't they just suck it up and and crack on until you've actually experienced what a panic attack is. You don't really know or appreciate it. And I think it's the same thing with anxiety. A lot of people don't really understand what it is for them. It's just another bit of weakness that somebody's showing as a man and they need to get over it. But most of them would experience some form of anxiety but they're just not used to dealing with those emotions. They suppress it and they just try and crack on.
3: One thing that always kind of struck me when I was younger as well, was in terms of, yeah, we're not, we we know it, we're not so good at kind of just sitting down and talking and being open with our feelings. And my I'm quite lucky because... You know, I was thinking and to your question, Sam, I'm, I'm quite lucky that most of my friends will happily sit down and just listen to me. And I think because they know what's so much of what's happened in my life. And um, they, they're used to hearing me talking nonstop about mental health at this point. So <laughs> they've kind of been dragged away, uh, dragged along with me in some way. But I think back to when I was younger. And when we would talk about that kind of things, about these kind of issues or it would always seem to be at the end of a Friday night when I when I had a lot of beer and I don't I was just wondering if I don't know if you've ever had a, if you had experiences like that as well as when you were younger it's like the only way you would actually kind of sit down and talk about things was you'd need you'd need a good drinking session to do it first and then obviously it doesn't always go to plan you you know you you wind up maybe kind of getting angry because you feel like someone's misunderstood you. And, yeah, I mean, I say I'm not... I'm lucky that that has changed for me now, but I do wonder, again, how many kind of men have kind of grown up with that kind of being the only time that they can actually be honest and
2: yeah.
3: get their feelings out as well.
0: Yeah, I think even then, it, and then it almost gets disregarded the next day, as like, oh, I was a bit something last night, wasn't I? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's very... It's it's very. I think it's almost it almost gives you. I think and a lot of things, a lot of. And this is a. This isn't just a men thing. This is a general thing. But a lot of things you do when you're drunk, stuff you want to do anyway, but you almost want to give yourself the excuse of going, "Oh, I was just I had a bit too much gin, I got a bit soppy. Oh, what's wrong with me?" Kind of thing. And it's very much seen as that negative thing, like, "Oh, you." I, I always see it like, "Oh, you, one of the, are you the friend that cries at the end of the night or something like that?" I'm just like. I mean, I cry most nights anyway. So just so if whether there's people there or not, it doesn't really matter. But you know, and it's that kind of thing. It's just like it instantly gives you that kind of thing of like disregard, and it's going oh yeah, whatever. Rather it and then it almost allow, doesn't then allow people to follow up and go. I know you say I know you were, you had a bit much to drink and all this, but like seriously, you all right kind of thing. Like and I think people don't like to do that because they don't want to then embarrass people. But I think that's almost quite an important thing of like what people say when they're drunk is probably one of the more genuine parts most genuine parts of
2: that. Yeah, i definitely agree with that you know especially looking at my time in the military when we've come back from deployments and stuff you've experienced, you know you've been through all this trauma done all these things and then you get to go out again and you get drunk and nine times out of 10 some of those experiences come out. People will talk about stuff. we we'll talk about people that we've lost along the way, how much we miss them or how traumatic, you know, that, that episode was, whatever. And sooner or later, you eventually have, your, you're walking down the street, you're hugging and holding each other up and you look at your friend and you just go, I love you, mate. You mean the world to me. I don't know how I'd cope without you or whatever. And you tell each other that then and you all have a laugh about it. But then in the morning, you'll wake up. and like you said, Simon's like, oh, my God, I got really drunk last night. Really sorry I acted like that.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And everyone just goes, yeah, yeah, no worries, mate. It's okay. You know, it's, it's one of those strange things. Whereas now I can tell my friends, I've, I love you guys. I'd be lost without you. You know, we, we're brothers, we're family. We look after each other. But you have to go through that experience. Unfortunately, I think for us to grow as individuals and as men, we have to have some of these negative or traumatic experiences that will actually make us pause and think and actually open our minds up to a bit more stuff. If we don't have that experience, we tend to stay quite ignorant
3: mm. of
2: everything around us and how, about managing our emotions and stuff like that.
3: Do you think, though, like Rob said,
1: Rob said about the fact that his friends are used to him talking about mental health now, because the work that we do as well does make it easier because we expect people to talk to us in that way on a daily basis. And I think we're used to listening to other people's stories and to helping people with their stories and possibly looking back introspectively at ourselves as well makes a difference. If I wasn't doing this work, how much more open would I be or how much more closed off would I be at the moment in my situation, I don't know. You know, I've done this work for six months now and it's changed me and it has changed me. It's, it's taught me so many different things about myself and about other people around me and how to understand and respect them. Um, other people don't have that experience. And I think that's quite interesting that, you know, we're, we're, we're talking from our own experience for, for working in the this industry, which does give us a different perspective on it.
2: And again, I think that's, that's why it's so important for men to normalize conversations about mental health. And even, you know, things like anxiety, from the outside, a lot of people perceive it to be something simple that's easily fixed or remedied, so they don't think about it. But the reality is far different. You know, anxiety is really complex. And it can be, like you said, Sam, to some people, going into a restaurant and paying your bill in front of other people is easy. But for a lot of people, that is quite a tough thing. It's quite a challenge to do that. The issue is, I think, with regards to most men, they won't have that conversation because they're afraid of being ridiculed or rejected by their peers. They think, if I am vulnerable and I tell the men around me, my friends around me, the deep fear that I have of a specific thing, I'm going to be mocked and ridiculed for it. And it's never going to go away and always going to be remembered as this thing. And again, you know, in the military, you see a lot of this stuff, guys who are afraid of heights, and you might not necessarily know how severe you're afraid of heights until you go off and you do an assault course or a confidence course that throws you out of your comfort zone. And suddenly you're staring down four or five floors, you know, and you've got to go across this little bridge or whatever it is. And you can't have that inherent fear or the anxiety that that causes you. But in the army, because we have to work together, we tend to bond over stuff like that. So we will ridicule each other. We will laugh at each other about it because you'll suddenly find that you're not the only person who struggled with that one thing. Quite a few people struggled with it. But because you work together, you can overcome it. So by doing that, you realize that actually I'm not the only person who's afraid of heights or is afraid of driving or whatever it is. The issue is, yeah, there will be some people who will take banter across the line and becomes bullying and stuff like that. But for the majority of people, it's a, uh, oh, wow, yeah, didn't know you were scared of that. So was I, but we also work on confidence. And in the military, you're, all the training you do that involves making you confident can help you overcome those sort of things. So it's I think it's, it's, it's weighing it up and your own experiences. Why I always try to tell men, You have to try something new all the time. Give yourself a new challenge. Um, And a lot of people will, by doing that, will actually find out that there are things that cause anxiety for them that they never knew they had before. But it's just the circumstances that they're in.
3: And
0: it's just getting, I think people almost think anxiety is like very, as you say, very simply. And it's like, it's just, you're scared of crowds or something like that. You know, it's very simply like, you don't want to be around lots of people, or you're shy. Even like, I feel like there's a lot of people that are very confident in social. Like me, I'm quite a confident person in a lot of social situations where I'll be able to, you know, probably be one of the people who speak the most in a group around in a table around the pub or whatever it might be. So people then go, well, "How do you have anxiety?" I was like, "Well, if you see if you see me um, when I'm walking into a new restaurant and I don't know where I'm meant to stand at the front." or I'm meant to just go and sit myself down, you'll see where my anxiety comes in. Or, you know, you, you didn't see me all last week where I wasn't leaving the house for this, that, or the other reason. Yeah. And I think just getting this idea that anxiety doesn't always equal shy or quiet or timid. You know, Some of the most confident people you know could very well have anxiety. Like, again, again using me as an example, people look at me presenting podcasts or presenting panels or presenting all kinds of things on TV talking quite confidently, and don't think that I could possibly have anxiety when, you know, it it takes a lot for me to psych myself up for these things. And then it takes a lot out of me afterwards, like for the next few days, I probably like, normally I go into the office on Tuesday. Whereas now I probably won't go into the office on Tuesday because I did this today. So that's taken a lot of my social battery down. And it's been able to have those kind of normalized conversations of, yeah, like, I'm not I'm not feeling up for, for this today. Or even, even no, just that, if going, like, I say to my friends, put off and off, rather than going to this really busy pub that we know is going to be busy on a Saturday night, can we go to this quiet one down here instead tonight? Um, and obviously, if you guys want to move on to the busier stuff later, then that's fine, and I'll go home. But at least having that conversation, and I, I'm comfortable enough to do that, but I don't think a lot of men are. And... They won't do it until they go out to that really busy club, which they're not really feeling like going to, and then it comes out in a way that they don't want it to. Whether it be yeah. an, whether it be an actual attack, or it be some kind of aggression, or, or or irritability, or whatever else it might be. But then when it comes out in that, people don't think of it as that. They think of it as oh, he's just he's got a bit too much to be drinking. He's being a bit of a whatever, and it gets disregarded as that, and they won't. You, but most men would rather admit that they got really angry and wanted to fight someone, then they've got anxiety and got overwhelmed. And that, I think that shows a huge problem and shows why we can't
1: open up. There's a massive degree of self-awareness though, as, as well there, isn't there? Yeah, for sure. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And I think you, you just have to look at stuff like public speaking. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of men who can't stand up in front of a, ro- a room of strangers and talk. And we'll know about that because we've seen a lot of friends either at weddings who you know they're the best man at the wedding they've got to get up and do a speech in front of everyone and they really struggle with that there and they can become really anxious over that things at work you know somebody's got to get an award at work and they've got to stand up in front of everyone and walk down the stage to get it you know all these sort of things and again i think it's that if you come out of your comfort zone you can find things that will make you anxious. And I think again, that's why a lot of people will won't change. They'll stay in their comfort zone and they won't go out and try to adapt to something new or different because it causes it gives them so much anxiety, but they're too afraid to you know that they will emasculate themselves or somehow they're not a man if they admit to having this anxiety over something. And we'll see friends who we know could work at a better position or, you know, if they worked a little bit harder, they'd get promoted and have a team they can manage. But being in charge of people creates anxiety for them, so they won't do it. And rather than try to learn how to manage or cope with that anxiety, they'll stay in their comfort zone and not take a new challenge.
3: That sounds so familiar. So familiar, it's just as you were saying that, so... When we're talking about kind of people thinking about anxiety, and as well in terms of being like, oh, panic attacks, struggling yeah. with crowded places, one of the things that always that I used to struggle with really badly in terms of my anxiety was almost kind of like a fear around kind of making decisions, taking the lead on things, being responsible for things, and it's something I've worked at really hard. I worked really hard at and to the point where, you know, I am now, and I've always said that to a lot of people now, they wouldn't necessarily get that because, you know, I'm, I'm managing people, I'm setting up a brand new service. But, yeah, that's something that I struggled with. And I think when we're talking about, like, feeling emasculated, again, going back to old stereotypes of what it meant to be a man, it would be, right the men take the leadership, men make the decisions, yes. they take charge. And that was something that really kind of, I that's something that I really struggled with when I was a lot when I was younger. You know, I, I hated making decisions. I would double, I would, you know, overthink absolutely everything. And yeah, I mean, I've, you know, I'm I'm quite a I I would say I'm probably quite a forward thinking person in terms of to what being a man means to me, but yeah, I, I just wonder, and again, so I wonder about all those kind of people out there who are kind of struggling with anxiety or struggling to take these drugs you know, and it's okay not to want to take the decisions all the time and be in charge all the time. Again, like going back to, you know, if you are out, do you want to just kind of hand over the card to to your partner and just say to them, right, you order for me. You you know, you get around, you take charge for the moment. Yeah. And, you know, you and. Everybody should be able to feel feel comfortable doing that without feeling judged.
2: And I think you know this is something I think that we pick up on and start to realize when we're very young, Uh, particularly in schools. I don't really know much, you know, if they still do it now, but I can remember the breaks. We're playing football, and you pick two people to choose the teams. You'll always get people who refuse to be the person that chooses because they're terrified of having to stand there and pick teams. They don't want to disappoint their friends or anybody else in case they pick the wrong person or whatever. Then there's a people, you know, so that can make people anxious. You get the anxiety of being chosen last, because that terrifies everybody at some point or another. So there's two different, you know, you can see the different levels. Is that being in charge? And then there's also that person who's anxious of, of being chosen last and everything in between. Um, When I was struggling with my mental health, I wasn't working and my partner, we would go out and I always knew that they're going to bring the bill to me and I'm going to have to pass it on to her. And automatically I would feel that the person is judging me because my partner's paying and I'm a man, but I'm letting a woman pay. And that would make me quite anxious. And it took me a long time to just think, you know what? First of all, they're probably not even that bothered by it because they see stuff like this all of the time. But secondly, I'm not working, so why does it? you know, it shouldn't bother me. And it was really hard to come to terms with that. Um, and I think, you know, everything, like going back to work, you know, job interviews, a lot of people hate job interviews. I know a lot of men who overwhelmingly come across as inherently confident they're natural born leaders all that sort of stuff but tell them that they have to have an interview for something and the anxiety kicks in they really struggle with it you know and again it's possibly that fear of rejection you know not being accepted by your peers or being found you know short you, you something there's a shortcoming somewhere so they they're not successful at that interview and they feel emasculated by it. So that causes a lot of anxiety for people. And I think it's, we as men have to understand what mental health is, all the different facets of it that affect us, how simple things like, or the perception of something like anxiety being simple can actually be extremely complicated and have very detrimental effects on someone. There's a lot of people out there who don't think they have anxiety. And I simply think it's because they literally haven't put themselves in a position where they're uncomfortable with something. They haven't got out of their comfort zone. And they've been quite protected from stuff. Um, I think a lot of us, you know, who've experienced issues with their mental health tend to have a better understanding and appreciation for stuff like that. And I think it's like you said, Phil and Rob, earlier, you know, we, because of the nature of our job and our experiences, we tend to know a lot more about it. We will have a lot of friends, male friends who we interact with. They'll speak to us about certain things, but most of the time, they're still too anxious to reach out for help. And we have to break that cycle and just remind people that it's okay to talk.
1: Do you think it's becoming generationally easier though? I don't really.
2: I, I, I used to, um, you know, so if I look back at my time in the military, when I first joined the army, at uh, the end of 1999, um, it was literally, you know, you were weak. If you, if you spoke about something, you know, if you were in pain or, you know, whatever it was, it was seen as weakness. Everybody kept quiet about it mm. as time has progressed. And, you know, we've been to Afghan Iraq and all these sort of places, We've unfortunately lost a lot of veterans um, to suicide because of their issues with their mental health. We've seen so many families affected by veterans struggling with their mental health. So in part, in respect to that, it's, it's people are, who have these experiences are talking more about it because they want veterans to speak more. But in terms of younger men, being more likely to speak about mental health above older people? I don't think so. I think younger men have a lot different pressure and anxieties to deal with, and it still makes it quite hard for them to reach out. Do we have more younger men and boys reaching out? I don't think I've seen statistics to show any difference. I think the suicide rate for men, for young men now, is extraordinarily high um and that one of the reasons is because they're not reaching out so have we got better yes but i don't think there's a lot of difference between the two
0: yeah because i mean I'm, I'm the worst person to ask this potentially but even as a younger person because i said i don't have a, a huge group of of friends who are, who are men. so it, it's hard for me to say, but like i definitely noticed, especially and again this comes back to like the, with us working in this industry, and I, and again i'm not train I'm not I don't work with um with people like all of you do but even just the fact that I work for Solid Mind instantly makes people talk to me a little bit more and open up to me a little bit more um and I've always spoken about my mental health ever since I was maybe about 20 on social media so like uh, that's always been a kind of thing I've had but I've I tend to have and I don't know if it's just because that's like people in the family or whatever else it tends to be a lot of uh, older men now starting to reach out to me about stuff than it is of my own age, and I don't know if it's because again, it, at at my own age, they're still being stubborn about It's probably the most likely way that kind of you like youthful resilience, but not almost not in a good way. The kind of stubborn resilience where you're you're keeping yourself up with just raw strength rather than any kind of forethought about it um but i'm finding a lot of yeah like especially men in my family who again i come from southeast london um which is just a very man's man's type world like, it's very man up it's very you know it, it, I've, I've when I, I was in portsmouth on saturday and i was walking through portsmouth and thinking this is just this is exactly like being at home like in a lot of ways like it's it's a very very similar uh, very similar place and i imagine it and from speaking to uh, different people working for that Mine, the kind of feeling growing up there is very similar as well. Um, so a lot of people in my families have started talking about more that. Um, my dad even during lockdown um, started talking to me because he during lockdown obviously none of the kids could come home because we all we've all already moved out. He wasn't working because everything got shut down in the construction industry, um, and my mum works for the NHS, so she was still going in to work every day. So he was basically in the house on his own at least nine to five every day. Obviously with the NHS overworking, I'm sometimes overworking as well. So sometimes it could be anywhere between seven and like seven in the evening that he was alone in the house. Where he's used to having the kids come by every now and then between um, me, and my sister, or my brother. Um, he's used to being able you know, to at least go to work and go to meetings or go down the golf, go down to golf or whatever it might be. And for the first time, he kind of spoke to me like the first time we were able to meet up after a few months. He was kind of just like, "I don't know how you, how you've battled through your anxiety and your mental health for so many years, because the last few months have been like felt almost impossible to me." And it's the first time I've ever heard him speak like that in any way, shape, or form. And that was quite a a, a big thing for me. Was like he never. It's almost like he'd never had time to stop and think he'd always worked so much or if he wasn't working he was at the golf club or if he wasn't at the golf club he was at home doing stuff um and if you talk about again like the way people deal with it he was just doing construction on the house every fall like my mum would come home and there's a new hole in the wall because he's trying to do something trying to build something in the house um so and it was just interesting how like how many people might have those kind of and mental health issues or my with mental health if they just took time to stop and think for a little while rather than just overworking themselves and not allowing themselves any time to think whatsoever and I thought that was just really really interesting uh, perspective and just being able to, him be able to actually say that out loud to me but I don't know if he would have if I haven't been so open about my mental health over the years so it's just quite a it was quite it was a it was a Obviously, not nice had to go through it, but a big experience for us as a family to be able to actually speak about it.
2: I think for me, one of the, the only real positives, if you can call it a positive, of the lockdown is the fact that it's affected so many people's mental health in so many different ways. And people who would never have thought they would ever experience anything negative or ever have poor mental health experienced a period of poor mental health during the lockdown. And I think a lot more people have a better understanding of their own mental health and how it can be affected by stuff. So hopefully we'll see, you know, more people reaching out and wanting to get help. Um, But I also think, I think we need to do more to educate people on mental health and giving people understanding the difference between mental illness And mental health and that we can all how we all have mental health and it can be good or it can be bad if but we have to work on it and I think different things like you know anxiety is a whole smorgasbord of different things that can cause anxiety for people it's not just having panic attacks it's not just being afraid to talk to people or you know leave your home it could be anything you know we laugh about young boys, you know, 14, 15 year olds are too afraid to talk to a girl uh, because of the anxiety that gives them, that can lead to other things later on in life. Um, Anxiety isn't just being shy. Um, Being shy can make you more anxious, yes, but it's not just that, you know, we have to look at all of these different things.
0: Uh, Yeah, I do think it is that redefining, you know, what Everything is, and I think there has been a, a huge process of that in the last couple of years. In terms of again, not wait until crisis to get help, or not, you know, just a general difference in mental health, and mental illness, mental illness is something you you have, and you have to constantly treat, and whatever else. Mental health is just something you've always got to look after. Mental health is like physical fitness; it's like your diet; it's like all these things. It's something that's always there. It goes up and down, and you just got is. And it needs to be part of that framework where people think about their fitness or physical fitness on a daily basis. People think about their diet on a daily basis. Mental health has got to be within that conversation. Um, and I think that then becomes a little bit easier for people to handle. They don't have to think of it as this huge thing where they're really sick and they're really unwell and they're not. It's something they're going to have to deal with for their, their whole lives so or whatever it might be. It's a little bit easier to digest i think if it's just this part of your everyday life and it's just something you've got to look after like your physical fitness or like your diet definitely i think that pretty much brings us to an end unless anyone's got any other points they want to add on um, because we've yeah it's been a good half hour now we've been talking so it's a nice little i'm very aware that we're all in very hot rooms and want to get out onto into some fresh air for a little bit Um, so while, uh, while we just, I'll wrap up the show quickly, um, obviously if you want to jump in any points after I've done this, please do, if you've got any thoughts, but please, please do everyone, if you have, again, have been affected by anything we have spoken about on this episode of the podcast, please call the support line. Um, they'll be able to help you with anything in terms of just giving you a little bite-sized pieces of advice or they'll be able to refer you to other services and let you know what's available in your area whether it's within of Mind or outside Solent Mind if you're in Portsmouth haven't east hampshire Fareham, or gosport you can contact the harbour that's open between four thirty pm and 11 pm every single day the number will be down below in the description or at the end card of the video um, so that'll be a that's a, a crisis service out of hours we'll be able to help you with your mental health needs whatever it might be that you're struggling with and if you're in southampton we've got the equivalent in the lighthouse Um, so just again the number will be at the end that's 4.30 to 11pm every single day as well Um, and you just text your postcode and lighthouse to the number on the end screen or in the description um, and they will be able to give you a call and they're also available for drop in so if you live in Southampton and you're near Shirley um, look up the address for the lighthouse and they are available to drop in. You can just jump, drop in talk to some of our wellbeing advisors they're all lovely, they're all very friendly and they will be there to help you um, and I think that's pretty much it. So thank you very much to all my guests for joining me on this very hot day. Um, please all do go get hydrated and get some fresh air after this. Um, and we'll see you again next month for the next episode. If you have been infected by any problems discussed in today's episode, please reach out to our services. If you're in Portsmouth, Ferham, Gosport, Havant, or East Hampshire, you can contact the harbour Open 4.30pm to 11pm every single evening, just text or call 0741-364-911. If you're in the Southampton area, contact the Lighthouse. Open 4.30pm to 11pm every evening. Text Lighthouse and your postcode to 074-5127-6010. And if you aren't in either of those areas, please contact the Solid Mind support line give them a call on 023 8017 9049 or contact the web chat on our website. They are open 10am to 2pm on weekends and back holidays and 9am to 7pm any other day. And they'll be able to let you know any services available in your area.